Hey everybody, John Fenn here, Church Without Walls International, C-W-O-W-I.org. Hey, I'm going to get right to it today. This is part five of some of the uh, visitation, some of the things that I've learned in visitation. I just need to move on after this, uh, not for lack of material, but just collection of things that I felt led on my heart to include. And uh, and so I'm doing that. I, one thing before we get going, people ask me about this painting because usually it's only the lower part is is seen. This painting up here uh, is a copy of the original that hangs in the Philbrook Museum of Art in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It was an 1889 painting by William Adolphe Beaugerot. My apologies to French speakers if I butchered his name. Like I said, 1889. It's called The Shepherdess. So you can Google The Shepherdess. You can look online, The Shepherdess, uh, by William Adolphe Beaugerot. Anyway, and it reminds me of my wife when we were teenagers, barefoot, out in nature, shepherd's crook across her shoulder, the flock or the herd in the background. Uh, that's our hearts for ministry. It's just us, you know, just as we are, what you see, what you get. And uh, and anyway, as I'm recording this, we will have been married uh, 44 years this fall. So, um, you know, just uh, anyway, it's just something special to me. Um, so anyway, it's part five now talking about... Um, things I've received in visitations or the Father has spoken to me or something like that. So let me start off with talking about creation. I had read different books and opinions of everything from Christian astrophysicists who said, you know, that the scientists have it right, that the universe is 14.7 billion years old. I had read Christians, uh, creationists who thought it was 16 or six years, six days was the literal creation. I read a book by Dr. Russell Humphreys called Starlight and Time, a little book that he talked about how Einstein's been proven correct, that time goes faster the further away from a gravity source. And he he mentioned the fact that there are two atomic clocks, one in Greenwich, England at roughly sea level, one in Boulder, Colorado, uh, which is about a mile uh, above sea level, nearly two kilometers above sea level, and how the one in Boulder, Colorado, the atomic clock, two identical clocks, but the one in Boulder further away from the, the gravity source of the center of the earth um, is faster than the one at sea level. And so it proves that Einstein was correct. So what he did by calculation was, was to, to say, because the Genesis is written from Earth's perspective, that while six days could have gone by on the Earth, that if you calculate it out for the distances that are out there with the stars, that it could be billions of years uh, went by seemingly because time is different in space because time goes faster the further away from the gravity source. So Dr. Humphreys had talked about how being further away from the Earth's gravity source than time goes by. So it has the appearance of 14.7 billion, but it could have been a much shorter time because the perspective is on Earth. Anyway, you can see it's like, okay, what is that? <laughs> exactly. That's exactly the state of mind I was at. All these opinions wrestling around. So I just said, Father, I'm just going to take some time and I'm going to get out here it was a summertime. I said, I'm going to go out every night about nine o'clock, which would be 2,100 hours. I'm just going to sit under the stars and I'm just going to seek you and I'm going to worship. I'm going to look at the stars and you need to tell me, please. Uh, I put it more gently than that. Could you tell me, please, if we're alone? What am I looking at in creation? How old is the universe, etc.? So I was out there and it took a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks of just staying with it. And it's kind of like, Father, I'm not going anywhere. So please speak and tell me what I'm looking at. And... Uh, and so finally, about two weeks into it, one night he spoke to me and he said this, I'm looking at the stars, I'm looking at all the, the stars out there and everything else. And he says, what you see is creation to day one. And I said, I said, what do you mean? And he, he said, in the beginning, 
God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void. He said, I created the heavens first and then the earth. So all that you see out there is all of, of creation to day one. And I just went, wow, that makes so much sense. I don't know why I hadn't seen it before. You know, scientists tell us there's this progression of the stars and then this mass of rock, you know, coalescing around the sun, etc. And he, and then he continued this. He said, and there will come a time. Oh, he said this. He said, oh, what you see out there is, is the heavens to day one. And then I stopped and I turned my creative attention to the earth to complete it. So what you see out there is the, is the universe to day one. He said, and there will come a time when I will once again turn my creative attention to the rest of the universe and complete it. And I just went, wow. You know, and so I've been at peace ever since. Uh, you know, it's like, uh, that's enough information for me to know. And I could see there in Genesis, the heavens and the earth. And I could see how he stopped. He turned his attention to the earth. And so what we see out there is the rest of the universe that has yet to be completed in its creation. It's interesting. You know, it's, it's interesting. I'll share this. Um, they hadn't intended to share it, but uh, one of the things that that I saw in heaven, and I didn't get a chance to share this on Deep Believer, if you've seen that interview on YouTube, the Deep Believer uh, interview, because, you know, I mean, it was 90 minutes, and I, I talked about what I saw in heaven, but one of the things I saw in heaven I don't share very often was I went by, <laughs> and there was a, a kid sitting on a big chair that was too big for him, and obviously this kid was in heaven, and he, he was going to grow up and be able to sit in it, because uh, people grow up to maturity in, in heaven. Uh, babies, adults, or babies, children, etc. But behind this kid, there was like a spiral galaxy. Uh, I, don't, I don't say on the wall, it was an actual looking at the spiral galaxy behind him. And as we walked by, I, I asked the angel, I said, what, what is this? What's going on here? Why is this kid sitting here in this big, it was almost a throne, this big chair. And, and what, why is this? Uh, and what was amazing, it wasn't a picture. It wasn't a painting. It wasn't a TV screen. It was like, that was a, that was like a, a telescope view that was huge, uh, you know, over this, over this kid behind him and just kind of floating there. And, and my angel that was, he said, he said, Oh, this is the galaxy. This boy will be in charge of in the ages to come. I just went, okay. I just, that's interesting. You know, take it on a shelf, whatever. I can't prove it by chapter and verse. It was just interesting that it went with what the father had said, how there was coming a time where he would later, uh, complete the universe and and everything and so how you know in this age we are going to be ruling over the the earth uh and and angels administrating that and who knows what's in the ages to come but that was just like a glimpse oh this 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 boy will be uh this is the the galaxy he'll be he, he'll be in charge of in the ages to come so it's like okay i'll leave it at that so anyway um let me let me talk about judgment real quick shifting gears i'll tell you um I had been reading about Ananias and Sapphira who were, uh, who were judged uh, within the first few months after Pentecost. And I had read in 1 Corinthians 11 how there were people who wouldn't, who because of prejudice and strife and envy and everything else wouldn't join themselves uh, to the gathering in the home of justice. Acts chapter 18 tells us that the early church there in Corinth met in the house of justice. And Paul made this statement about their prejudice and their strife and refusal to make amends and everything else. And he said, he said, many are weak and sickly among you, and many have died early because you've not discerned the Lord's body. That is, they haven't walked in love. They haven't, they haven't done everything that they're supposed to do, which is to walk in love, forgiveness, et cetera, to, to deal with their prejudices, to deal with their strife. 
And he said, and Paul went on to say this, he said, if you judge yourselves, you won't be judged. But if you are judged, you're judged of the Lord, you're chastised of the Lord, so that you won't be condemned uh, with the world. So I could see there was a progression there. So in a visitation, I asked the Lord about Ananias and Sapphira. And what, and why did he judge them so harshly? Because you don't see Ananias and Sapphira's around the world today, you know, very often, uh, at least. You don't see that sort of a, a quick judgment. And he said, and he told me this, he said, remember, he said, my whole body was in Jerusalem at that time. And what they sought to introduce could not be allowed. And what they sought to introduce was hypocrisy and lying and deceit. And he said, so they were judged. He, he said, remember this, my son, the level of judgment is always equal to the level of anointing. And he said, many cry out in this land for a revival. But if the father poured revival out on this land, I tell you truly, there would be many, many Ananias and Sapphira's across the land. And so that stayed with me that judgment uh, and anointing are equal. That you want more of God, then your life had better reflect it. Uh, you may have come to the Lord and the grace was like a super highway with rubber you know, guardrails on either side of it. But the more you know, the more that the that the grace, the accountability uh, becomes more like a, a, a knife edge ridge <laughs> along between two mountaintops and there's a thousand foot drop on either side. Uh, so, you know, you want more than your life has to reflect that. Anyway, um, anyway, um, you know, I another one, I, I um, had been driving. I, this is when my first job, my first paycheck uh, was about $100. The, the tithe off of that, the 10% was, uh, $10. And I was driving along, I was 16 years old and I was just, the prayer meetings I went to as a teenager didn't receive offerings. I didn't want to give it to the denominational church I'd grown up in. I'm, I'm really concerned about this. You got to understand 16 years old and, you know, it's like, what do I do with this father? My first paycheck, you know, $10 I want to give to you. Excitement and, and frustration. Where do I give it? And I was driving along and he, and he just interrupted my my request to tell me what to do with it. He said this, he said, go spend it on yourself. I said, father, I can't do that. This is your money. It's dedicated to you. And he said, haven't I made you part of a kingdom of priests? So what if I want to spend it on one of my priests? <laughs> I went, I, I went, uh, but father, okay, let me spend it on something Christian. And then he was silent. So I knew it was within my authority. He delegated that out to my authority. So I spent it on a Christian t-shirt at a Christian bookstore about a half mile down the road, a kilometer down the road. And uh, it never fit. I never wore that shirt once, but it was a reminder, you know, that that I, I gave that to the Lord, you know, spent that $10 t-shirt. Of course, back then I didn't know that, you know, four out of the six tithes of the Old Testament were given right back to the person or not even given to the priest and spent by the person to celebrate the goodness of the Lord. I didn't understand the New Testament, how Christ is now in me, and that that the grace that that tithing and giving has always been is now in me. And and as Paul said in what, First Corinthians 16 too, he said, he said uh, according to how the Lord has blessed you, so let everyone give. Uh, you know, and so it, and so I found that if you walk in grace, you're going to end up giving 10 or 20% uh, to those in need that you can give to those in ministry you can give to those in need around you. Um, you know, and, and so I didn't know that at the time. It was just like, what do I do? What do I do? Um, maybe this, this, this last time, um, uh, maybe I'll go on a little bit. Um, uh, I, I, oh, time slipping away. Um, for a different perspective, during visitation, I was able to ask my angel a question. So I asked him, I said, what was it like when Lucifer fell? Um, and and he, he thought for a moment, he said this, he said, 
if you can think of this, if you can receive this, think of a time when only your father's goodness and light and life filled the universe. So I had to think back to a time where there was no devil, uh, you know, and I don't know if he was talking about a time when there wasn't any physical universe or whatever. It was just, I just imagine a time where it's only light, only life, only the Father's goodness, love, joy, peace. And the rest of it is not known. Anything opposite of that is, is not known. It's just the Father's goodness. He fills the universe with himself. And, I, and so I had to get that in my mind. He said this, he said, he said, from our perspective, your father was very gracious because when Lucifer uh, and his uh, followers started the war. He said, your father looked for a place to give them what they wanted, which is a kingdom without God. You know, actually he wanted to take over God, but he, he wanted to be without the, the attributes of, of, the, of the father God. And I said, I need chapter and verse on that. And he said, you've read Revelation 12, 8, that says no place was found for them in heaven. And Matthew 25, 41, that says a place had to be prepared for the devil and his angels. From our perspective, your father was very gracious to them to give them what they want. And I just went, wow. So the, And that's why Jesus refers to the hell as a kingdom and the kingdom of darkness, because Lucifer is the king and he has exactly what he wants, which is a kingdom without any attributes of God. And it just helped me realize that it, the only people in heaven are people who want to be there, who love righteousness, who love joy, who love peace, who love the Lord. Uh, and if you don't want to be there, there's a place prepared for you. That's the Father's goodness. So that was an interesting perspective um, to learn on that. Uh, this final thing, and I'll end with this. Um, there was a time where I hadn't seen my angel for a while, and uh, normally, you know, he's with the Lord and everything else, but it'd been a while. So I just, I just said, where have you been? It's been a long time, because oftentimes I'll see him. I, I've had him I've had him appear and say, uh, you need to know there are deer in the road up ahead. Watch out. I've, I've had him tell me, don't pass now. There's a car coming, uh, trying to get around uh, a big vehicle, stuff like that. So it, n none of that had happened for a while. This is just my, this is just how I live folks. Uh, uh, just honestly, this this way it is. Um, anyway, and he said, he said, he said, I was at the throne and I said, well, I hope everything was okay while you were gone. And he looked offended. He said, I would never have left you if everything wasn't okay. And I, and I said, why did you go? And he said, if you can receive this in the same way you take sleep for refreshment, we go to the throne. And that gave me some insight as well. So anyway, I have gone on. I hadn't intended to go about 15 minutes here, but uh, just to share this uh, new subjects next week, but I hope these have been a blessing to you. Uh, visit our website, cwowi.org. Uh, you can get my book, Pursuing the Seasons of God, which I've offered to give. People will email me at cwowi at aol.com. I'll give you the PDF at some of the first three years, some of the visitation, some of these things. Anyway, i got to go. Bye-bye. <laughs>